We're here. Welcome in. It's almost time. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a very special edition of In This Very Ring. My name is Ritz. Joining me as he does each and every week is the mayor of Toasty Town himself, the one they call Butters. And filling in for Mr. Pete Evans, who is on vacation, is HUD Wednesday nights. And now, birds of a feathers, Michael Chromiak Chrome. Gentlemen, how's everybody doing tonight? Amazing. Somber night, brother. Somber night. It, it, it very much is. Uh, before we get into all that, we want to thank Allen Travel. Allen Travel specializing in the creating the vacation of your dreams at Disney Universal or wherever your heart calls you. Let their talented team of travel experts create a custom vacation for you without any of the stress. Allen Z on over to allenz-travel.com backslash take the trip to get in touch with myself, Chucks, or any of the other talented travel agents. Um, obviously, we did, we did, we paid homage to the, the, the late, great Bray Wyatt with our intro with the, the candle. We have the lantern going this evening. Um, it's obviously not a circle lantern, but it'll work. Um, Bray Wyatt passed away yesterday unexpectedly at the age of 36. Um, it, it, it rocked the wrestling world. I know it rocked Chrome. You and I have been in constant communication since yesterday um, over this. And I can honestly say like, we always talk about different passings. And, and the three of us, and then Pete obviously as well, he, he's mentioned it. We've all suffered some pretty tragic loss uh, recently in the last few years. And this, this is one of those moments where it really takes you out of, takes the wind out of you, takes the breath out of you. And he was only 36 years old. Um, as we go through this evening, we're going to talk about the, the wonderful episode of SmackDown that they put on just a few hours, just a, a little under an hour ago. Uh, but we're also going to do the life and career of Wyndham Rotunda, also known as Bray Wyatt. We will also talk about the passing on Wednesday. This was a horrible week for professional wrestling. We lost WWE Hall of Famer, ECW alumni, Terry Funk at the age of 79. He passed away on Wednesday. We will, again, as, as we go through the show, we'll talk about the life and career of Terry Funk, some of our favorite memories, moments because we do span two different generations of the Funkster. Um, and then towards the end of the show, we will do a quick all-in preview. This was supposed to be a full-blown all-in preview episode, but obviously um, there are more important things to talk about than the epi- than the, the show in Wembley this Sunday for AEW. Our topic of conversation tonight is brought to you by our friends at Specialized Physical Therapy. Dr. Paul Vidal and his team, they have two locations in Burlington and Cherry Hill, New Jersey. He's our doc. Make them yours. Dr. Paul Vidal. Bray Wyatt will be inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame in 2024. Agree, disagree. Crow, as our guest for the evening, I'm going to let you start things off. 
Yeah, what a week, guys, huh? Whew. Sorry, I went on a little ramble there. No, you're good. You're good. Um, This one hit me hard, you know? This is one of my guys. You know this? Anybody who watched Lazy Booking over the years knows I've been a massive, massive Bray Wyatt proponent. So, uh, tough one this week, boys. And uh, I know we're going to dive into our favorite moments and different things and talk about his legacy. Uh, but, yeah, as far as the poll goes or the conversation point, I'm looking at how they've handled this so far, and it is very similar to Eddie Guerrero, who also passed away at a young age unexpectedly in 2005. Uh, and if you if you look at the way that trended, they put him in immediately. Um, I don't think there's any question that Bray Wyatt is a Hall of Famer, and we'll run his through his credentials as this show goes along. Um but one of the most creative minds in the business ever. Really, most creative minds I think I've ever heard. Because even if you go beyond that and hear about different projects and stuff that he wanted to work on privately with movies and different things, independent films, this guy had a lot more to offer. Um, but I would agree to the poll question. I just think with how things are trending um, already, uh, and I think it'd be more than deserving. And boy, would I love to see that. Um, you know, the only sad part is, guys, whether it's in 2024 or whenever, we're not going to be able to hear his speech. And that seems to be a thing that happens far too often in this business with certain people who we should be able to see them, enjoy the moment, and hear the speeches. And we're not going to be able to. But I would agree to the poll. I uh, I would have to agree to the poll. I you know, if not you know, now then you know, at least twenty twenty five at the latest. But twenty twenty four first you know first pick Hall of Famer right there. Well, and to 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 Chrome's point, right? We are. For lack of a better phrase, we're robbed a little bit that we won't get that what what should be an incredible Hall of Fame speech from Crow mentioned he's one of the greatest creative minds of this business. Yep. He's also one of the greatest talkers in this business. You know, I, I was I was listening to different promos and, and interviews that he's done over the years, and and one of the things that really struck me really really hard was he can go. You know, somebody like Enzo and Cass, this is paraphrasing the quote, somebody like Enzo and Cass can go out and say their catchphrase a million times and shove it down your throat, and that's what you're going to walk away remembering. I want to be different. Nobody writes my promos for me. I am me, and I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to make you think a little bit. I'm going to connect with you on a deeper level. And that was something that Bray Wyatt always did, and you've, you've seen the different promos. You think back to his most recent uh, return promo on SmackDown a few months ago. Um, you think back to all the promos he did as the patriarch of the Wyatt family. Very easily, I will agree to this poll question. My only question branching off of that, is it solo or is it as the Wyatt family? And the original Wyatt family, no disrespect to Braun Strowman, but Luke Harper, Eric Rowan, Bray Wyatt. Well, I think Strowman, whenever that happens, will be a part of that. Um, I don't, you know, I think it'll be all four. Um, 
I think him alone stands alone, and I think that that's what you'll get first. You know, I don't, at this point, you've lost two members of the Wyatt family. I don't see any reason to rush, and, and I don't mean this as a knock, but you lost, in terms of the, the speeches, you lost the two best talkers of the Wyatt family. Correct. And Brody Lee and, and Bray. And, you know, I don't feel like there's a rush in terms of the Wyatt family. But Bray is a standalone. Um, it's just, it sucks, man. It's really, it's really hard. And then when you look back at just in January, right? And we talk about, like, over the years, how many times have we talked about how, like, this is like, you know, we had The Undertaker for so many years, the ominous character, right? Where you can suspend belief when he makes electric, or he makes lightning bolts come down into the ring. He sets yep. stuff on fire. And, like, you suspend belief and you get you buy into the character. And we hadn't seen anybody like that until Bray. And in January in Philadelphia mm-hmm. at Raw. Triple X, Raw 30, whatever you want to call it. He finally got that moment where the torch was figuratively passed to him when Undertaker basically passed over L.A. Knight and let him perform the move and then whispered something into his ear, which Bray said. When somebody asked him about it, he said, I'll take it to the grave, what he asked me, or what he said to me. And sadly, he has truly done that. Um but he said that moment meant so much to him. And we we thought this was the next Undertaker. Yep. It was almost like a, like an Undertaker. Like Pete used to always say, like the three faces of Foley. Um, he was that guy. And to have it robbed, have, to be robbed of that for him. Not even us, just for him. It's It's awful. It's really, really awful. It hundred percent is, and you know, I want to I want to transition away from from this for a second and go into the the career and the legacy of Bray Wyatt. Um, Butters, your your first memory of Bray Wyatt, right? What? Because there was a point where you weren't watching because he debuts in WWE in two thousand and nine. Husky um, Harris. As Husky Harris, correct. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, so I was there for that. we were there. So what? what is your first memory? Is it the Nexus moment? Is yes. it? No, it's, it's him, him joining the Nexus. I mean, that's the very first, you know, who's this guy? Is he even going to be worth a damn? You know? And then after all these years, you're going to find out, hey, Nice little diamond in the rough. Chrome, for you, what, what do you, what do you? Yeah, I mean, I remember Husky Harris and all that, and obviously, you know, the the Nexus stuff. They were kind of the fill in guys when they had to let some of the guys go, and they were the next in line. But you know, I, I couldn't sit here and give you a Husky Harris match. I'm going to be honest with you. Me, yeah. So let's let's talk realistically. Where did he start standing out? It was NXT, um, and I wasn't an avid avid watcher of NXT, but um, at that point, because it was still it was really in, in its real infancy at that point. Um, but if you go back and watch some of his NXT matches, like you could tell this dude had something special. 
Like, you almost didn't realize that that was Husky Harris. He did <laughs> such a transformation. Um, and then obviously going out and, and coming out and making his main roster debut with a character. It was like a, almost like a cult following, like down on the bayou type of guy. Uh, it was just something special. And you could tell right away, this gimmick's going to be something. But even if the gimmick's not, the man's going to make something of himself. So, Absolutely. You know, I look, my earliest memories, Andy, for, for that really, that really stood out was when they started their feuds with the Shield. Because I think though that feud between those factions in a company that didn't do factions very often at that point really put a lot of people on the map. The entire Shield, and and really the only one who who and I'm and this is before Strowman, who really maybe didn't hit and it's 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 a shame, but didn't hit the elevated level. But when you talk about five out of the six guys hit top tier levels. Yep. Four of them world champions. Fifth, I think, would have been a world champion had he not been robbed of it. Um, that says a lot about that feud and, and those guys in their early stages. I think they all made each other better and pushed each other towards the main event. And that's that's my earliest big-time memories of the Wyatts and Bray Wyatt and, and his faction. So before I, I talk about where I remember Bray, let's get some of these comments. Frank Vespi says, to answer the poll, I agree. Bray was a genius with his characters. I also think down the line, he will go down as one of the biggest what-ifs in wrestling history in terms of proper booking. Uh, Lynch says, Sister Abigail has to be one of the best names for a finishing move. So far, I agree with everything I'm reading. Pete Evans, Evening Fam, great tribute show tonight. Wyndham touched us all. Prayers and condolences to both the Funk and Rotunda family. Uh, Frank actually went on to say if he was properly booked, he should have had longer reigns than usual. My thoughts are with Bray and the Funk families. The Godfather himself, Tom Arnone, chiming in. He agrees to the poll and he goes over to the YouTube side and says, R.I.P. Bray. Brian Daly with a unique take here. I'm going to disagree with the poll. My heart goes out to his family and his WWE family. I do, however, think WWE needs to find a way to honor what he's accomplished with WWE, but I don't think uh, his career was Hall of Fame worthy due to how short it was. Brian, I love you. I, I really do. But, man, I can't tell you how many how much is wrong with that sentence. And, and I hope as we go through and talk about some of those incredible moments and, and what stands out and, and how we would cut a promo and everything like that, we can change your mind because it doesn't matter how short your career was. It doesn't matter how long your career was. It matters what kind of impact you left on the wrestling world. And really, all you have to do is go to Twitter. Go to Instagram. Go to social media over the last 24 hours and look at all the stories that have come out. Look at all the pictures that have been shared. Look at all the people that have turned around and said, and they all say the same thing. Every single one of them says, what a great person Bray was. Wyndham, Bray, you know, however they knew him. So the thing I the thing is, right? I don't know how we can say his career was short when he made his Nexus debut in twenty ten. Yep. Then he had a couple of years where he went back to the territory. 
uh, FCW and then NXT. But he was back by like 2012, 2013, somewhere in that vicinity. Essentially, he had a 10-plus year run with WWE on the main roster. And he led one of the biggest factions that was that went for years. He's a multiple-time world champion. He's had memorable feud after memorable feud, whether it was The Undertaker, Randy Orton, Daniel Bryan, uh, Finn Balor was a big one, John Cena. I mean, the list goes on. He has a WrestleMania moment with The Rock. I mean... Which I was there for. Yeah. yeah there's just so much that this guy did with all of his characters. I think... I can't agree with a short run. I mean... Well, and I can't even agree with this comment either from Eric. I'm going to disagree. He just didn't accomplish enough over a long period of time in WWE. And it kind of devalues what others who have and aren't in yet. But think about it, though. Like, And, and I'll go over versus championships and accomplishments. Well, before you do that, Andy, and I want you to do that. Let me, let me, while you're looking that up, let me go over this. Sure. It is a scripted sport, guys. So... There are people, Roddy Piper never won championships. But if you are a guy who could handle the stick, who created memorable moments, memorable characters, memorable feuds, and who elevated everybody else that you worked with, you're a Hall of Famer. You are a Hall of Famer. Like, he has world titles. It doesn't matter that he didn't carry the title for five or six years. You know, multiple times over like a, a seven-year time span. It, it doesn't matter. He, he would have been a whole bear without a title. That's the thing. There's plenty of guys in the whole thing that Dusty. Dusty's another one. Yeah, he carried the NWA title for a couple calls. There are certain people that just they hit. They hit in the sport of uh, you know the sports entertainment, whatever you want to call it. He is. A standard. And when you have The Rock, when you have all of the legends who are in the Hall of Fame talking about his impact, go on Twitter and just read for days because you can at this point. That's That tells you everything you need to know about the way he's looked at by his peers in his sport. Correct. Absolutely. But go through the titles. Go ahead. So in FCW, he was a tag. He was a two-time tag team champion, both with his brother Bo. In WWE, he was a two-time Universal Champion. He was a one-time WWE Champion. He won the Raw Tag Team Titles with Matt Hardy. He won the SmackDown Tag Team Titles with Randy Orton and Luke Harper because of Freebird Rule. There, uh, he won the Tag Team Eliminator in 2008 with Matt Hardy. And he won the 2019 WWE Year-End Award for Male Wrestler of the Year. So, to, to say he didn't do anything, and when you think about, especially towards the end, how active he was slash wasn't as far as in-ring competition, to say that he had those accolades. Guys, he's one mid-card title away from being a Grand Slam champion. I mean, are, are, it actually fires me up a little bit that we're, we're actually going to sit here and say he didn't accomplish enough over a long period of time. Stop it. He accomplished plenty more than what most have. So, 
for me, when, when I think of, of the Wyatts, because I was like, bro, I was like you, I wasn't watching NXT in those early years. My first exposure to NXT was when they did Takeover Dallas, and it was Nakamura, Sami Zayn, because we were five minutes. Oh, yeah, you really, you really came behind on NXT. Well, then. Yes, <laughs> like I knew, I knew it was happening down there. I I, I was watching some yeah. of the episodes, but I mean, he was pre Takeover. Yeah. There was, I mean, Takeover wasn't even a thing when he was around. Yeah, so I, I was really behind on the NXT stuff. Um, but that was also, I had a lot going on personally. Anyway, it was when they come up to the main roster and they start airing those vignettes mm-hmm. because those were the ones where I was like, wait, what, what, what is this? Right? What, what, what is happening here? This is something different that we hadn't seen anybody Who do. Is this, you know? And WWE had kind of gotten away from these, I don't want to say over the top characters, but we hadn't seen anything this, this cult like following since Undertaker and the Ministry of Darkness. And, and you know, so here we are, something very different and very dark. And, it, it, it really, I gravitated toward that, and throughout the years, I've always said, I don't know if I'm like um, if I'm liking what Bray Wyatt's doing right now. But by the time we actually get to, all right, here's full story, here's the big picture. Oh, I really enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. You know, one of my favorite things to go back and watch, and I don't go back and watch a lot of wrestling. I don't do it because I've seen it. I, I can't watch a, an old match. It's just my brain says you've seen this already. Go do something else. Oh, I can, I can. Some, but there are some that I can, but like I just can't go randomly pop in a raw from two thousand and nine and watch it. And um, but it's the it's everything leading up to WrestleMania thirty with the Shield and the Wyatt family. It was because right around that time, I don't remember if they had a match at thirty. Do you remember? I'll let you know in a minute. I think they okay. did. Um, actually, I have it here. What am I looking for? Good job. Yep. Sounds great. No, he would. They would. Tra- he would transition from that, and he wrestled Cena at thirty. That's right. Yeah. So, but it, it was all that lead up, the, the the elimination chamber, and they did a lot of this stuff on free TV, which was also a lot of fun too. And these, you know, to Chrome's point, you had six of arguably the top guys in the in the business at that time, and they would, and five of them would go on to change the industry mm-hmm. across two different promotions for the next ten years. Like here we are, ten years later from when they first started doing that, and it, it's there's nothing like a Bray Wyatt, and a Bray Wyatt only comes around once every so often. I don't think we'll ever see anybody like him for a long time. No, I would agree with you. I think that these type of guys with these kind of creative minds are generational right undertaker was one of them and i keep going back to him because when you look at somebody when you look at these guys and you look at thinking outside of the box right with your character they're the standouts 
right? Uh, even like I would say Kane, but I think Kane, a lot of that was predicated off of the Undertaker's character and his creative. So I just put these guys in a whole different class, right? And, and Andy, they did try to do, WWE has tried to do the kind of quirky, odd, like cult following type of guy when they did like, like Dan Spivey did Whale and Mercy in the 90s. Didn't work. Because you got to have the right person in a role to be able to do that. It has to be believable. Ray Wyatt filled that role and everybody said, whoa, this is different. Yep. This dude is like creepy. Oh, yeah. Like, and, I, you go, continue, I'm sorry. No, it's, and then that was just the beginning. That was the tip of the iceberg. Obviously, we saw what came out of that. When you think about The Fiend, another... That is, then that's the thing, right? We're talking, people were talking about cat, like what it, having a resume Hall of Fame worthy. When you look at the fiend, nobody's ever seen anything like that. That was Undertaker next level. Like when he came out at SummerSlam 2019 to face Finn, and he was like carrying his own head, oh, the lantern. I don't know if that was the year we started live reactions or not. But I remember watching that moment and just going, what in the hell did they just do? I had I had a SummerSlam party. Pete was here with me. And I had friends here who weren't wrestling fans that just came over for a pool day barbecue. And they stayed for SummerSlam. And they were like, I don't watch wrestling, but I will watch that guy. Because that was cool. And they did. They followed the character. Yeah. They didn't watch everything, but when that character was on, they followed it. That's true. That's like next level. Yes. Was there goofy things that came with that character? Sure. Can, can I be honest? The Firefly Funhouse, when it first started, when it first started, I was like, this is dumb. Like, and I actually remember being on the air and going, I'm a Bray Wyatt guy. This is a lot from even me, right? And then it just started getting more, like, again, to something I said at the top of the show, everything he did made you think. There you go. Firefly Funhouse right here. That's what this shirt is. This whole shirt is the Firefly Funhouse. Yeah. But everything he did made you think. So the more he would be on, the more segments we would get, the more you would see him peeling back the curtain or or the layers of not just Bray but creative and the WWE and yeah. the people he was talking about and it, it it took you back to the Undertaker mind games of old right of the Attitude Era of the early Ruthless Aggression Era That it, it's that point where you're like whoa Gray, I think you just struck gold again. And that that's the key. Everything Bray did, character-wise, in the overarching... Yeah, again, Chrome, there were some dumb stuff, right? Like, re really? Like, really? You know, maybe a segment here didn't hit as well as they thought it would or whatever. Well, I'm, and I'm leaning more towards, like, could have did without the red light stuff all the time and i could have did without you know seth rollins 
destroying him with like a million chairs. Right, but that's my point. Some of the stuff just didn't hit. Didn't hit as well. Right? But I mean, that, that, everything was gold. That no, I was saying that match right there was the first time ever we saw a hell in a cell end in a uh then they stopped the match. Yeah, they stopped the match. You know, with his character being unstoppable, but yet, you know, Hell in a Cell, you're supposed to go to you pin your opponent, and all of a sudden we have a first ever, you know, match stoppage in a Hell in a Cell. Like, what the hell? Yeah, it was a little odd, but <laughs> overall, though, the but the character was was it was transcendent. It really was. Yep. And like you said, Andy, when you take that character, right? Like they went, and mind you, this is Vince McMahon around for this kind of creative. When you go like horror movie, like scary, like when I had my niece and nephew watching, they ended up loving the fiend. But the first time my nephew watched them, I had to worry worry about him wet in the bed that night because (laughs) they had dreams. I'm sure he's loving the fact that you just said that on air. Like, I had to worry about, like, is this kid going to, like, wet the bed from having a bad dream of watching this creepy character, right? But then when you tie in the element of the Firefly Funhouse, it's Pee-wee's, it was like Pee-wee's Playhouse meets Texas Chainsaw Massacre, right? It was like, it was just so beautifully weaved together. Yes. I'll be honest. I was all about the Firefly Funhouse from day one. I knew something was coming with it. I didn't know what, but it was just like, like we know Bray's not going to be Pee Wee Herman, right? Like, we know he's not going to be Pee Wee. So you knew something, a twist, a darkness was coming with it. I just, we weren't sure what, but it immediately captivated me and said, wow, let's see. Like, I need to see the next episode. And then I need to see the next one. And it became must-see TV. Yep. And for a while there, like, because I wasn't catching... The Raw's live. I still don't, really. That was the first thing I was searching for. What did Bray do last night? What 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 came out of his mouth? And I think what for that character, and I'd like to go back to Bray Wyatt and Wyatt family in a little bit, but what really did it for the Fiend and the Firefly Funhouse character was the match against Braun Strowman, the cinematic match they do. I can't remember what they actually called that, but it was in like it was in the bayou or something like that. Yeah, it was like a swamp match or something like that. Yeah, some, yeah. some kind of swamp match or whatever. Uh, the Wyatt Swamp Fight. That's what it was, and that would lead us into Strowman kind of becoming this angry monster. So, like, he was elevating more people as he was elevating himself. And then he took Alexa and brought Alexa into the fold. And and we all love Alexa, right? Mm-hmm. For obvious reasons. But we all love Alexa and what she was doing. But she was kind of like, I don't want to say stale, but she needed something. She needed a, a new evolution to her character, something different. To see a different side of her at that time because they weren't really utilizing her the best and they turned around and said okay hey we're gonna let you be like a really 
odd Harley Quinn, like, dark, demented character, but still super chippy. Right? Like, put a smile on your face, kitties. Mm -hmm. It's like the Joker and Harley Quinn had a kid. There's Alexa Bliss at that time. Mm -hmm. So, And that was what was so great about Bray, especially when he started doing The Fiend. And you started seeing more of, of his actual creativity coming through. He was able to take that and elevate everybody that he came in contact with. And tonight is a per on the show was a perfect example. That final promo right before the, the main event from LA Knight. He elevated, he put LA Knight on the path to where he's the mega hit that he is now. Without that feud, I don't think LA Knight is taking the world by storm like he is. I think he'd get there, right? Because he's still very good. Mm -hmm. I just don't think we're having that conversation right now. And that's a fair that's a fair point. It's very possible. I do think in terms of giving him a main event rub, it was very, very helpful for him to do that. And and what's what's sad about this, and, and I'm glad that you, you kind of went there because I, I wanted to make sure to go there here in that, you know, we talk about these characters and we, we talked about the Alexa Bliss and like how kind of anticlimactic the end of The Fiend was, right? Um, obviously, it was really odd. They did that and then they ended up kind of releasing them. And it looked like with this return, they were going to find ways to tie it all together to almost like a three faces of Foley, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. And obviously, he was going to finally be able to work with his brother, Bo. And they were going to, you know, they were supposed to have this Wyatt Six, which, I mean, God only knows now what that would have been. I would love one day to, to for somebody to talk at a creative about what the idea behind that was going to be. Um, and we're not going to get that, you know, I, and that's, that makes me sad because I think we would have seen a resurrection of those characters um, or a resurgence of those characters. Uh, and I think it would have been something really special, like the three faces of Foley. I think it would have been something really memorable. And, uh, you know, we got them. We got them on their own. Unfortunately, not at the same time, and, and I'm, I'm disappointed about that. Um, but, you know, grateful grateful that we've had the chance to take the ride with them because this is one of those guys that, for us all, at least I'm pretty sure that you guys have been watching since he's been around at least. Um, yeah. To be able to, to see the whole, the whole body of work pretty much from Husky Harris on, uh, is really really special, and like Chris Kudo says here, uh, and appreciate by the way, we appreciate all you guys dropping your comments in here. Um, continue to drop in your memories, whether you're on Facebook, YouTube, wherever you're at, drop in your memories, drop in your thoughts on SmackDown tonight, your opinions on everything. Um, I got a dog whining over here. What is that? That is, that is uh, Ramona Reigns. That's right, I have a dog named Ramona Reigns. Who is whining to go inside right now? She she's asking for me to acknowledge my tribal chief. Um, but yes, uh, we're not going to be able to see that, and that's that's heartbreaking. I'm going to go acknowledge my tribal chief. I'll be right back. Well, mm -hmm. and, and, and 
Anthony, really, you don't see it, LA Knight. I mean, I see it. Now that I don't know if you, if you grasp what I was saying there. I think LA Knight is very good, and I was not an Eli Drake fan. Uh, I, in, as far as a wrestler goes, I like the promos that he was cutting and everything like that. But once he came to WWE, and they did the whole Maxim male model crap and everything like that. I was like, well, we're, we're not going to do anything with him. I didn't think WWE was going to give him the ability to really showcase what he was capable of. And then they switched to LA Knight, and on NXT, he was he was good. But then you always see that you're good in NXT. You jump up to the main roster, and you kind of fall flat. You're and that was what I was kind of I was kind of worried about when it came to LA Knight. And so getting that Bray Wyatt rub was huge for him Mm -hmm. and and that put the rocket ship on his back and secured the fact that hey he was really good in nxt bray gave him the opportunity to showcase how good he really was and stay relevant and not do what happened to a lot of nxt stars when they come up now they just kind of flounder and eventually go away for a little bit where the doo doo. Are you back? Oh yeah, I'm back. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know if you froze. You you just sat. Uh, you were you were talking. I didn't want to interrupt you. Um. So I want to go back to the Wyatt family, and I want to go back to to that time before we kind of transition over to Terry Funk. And I mean, I could spend the whole show talking about Bray Wyatt. I I really could. There's so many awesome moments and awesome memories, and, and the one that's circulating all over Twitter. Which, if I remember the story correctly, was not a planned spot. He hits somebody with Sister Abigail, goes for the pin, does the point as Roman hits the spear. Right? Like, that that has circled and that has almost become, like, the iconic Bray Wyatt mm-hmm. moment. Like, one of the iconic Bray Wyatt moments. Because it, it really played into... Uh, he was that kind of higher power, you know, kind of being that we were that WWE was portraying him as. So he he knew Roman was there. He just pointed and gotcha, right? So it, it it was just it all worked out so well. And his stuff with Randy and Daniel and John. I mean, the Daniel Bryan turn and then return was insane. Do you have, and more specifically, that Wyatt family era? Uh, you know, the, the Hawaiian shirt, the the Luke and, the, you know, Harper and Rowan and Braun. Do you have a moment that truly stands out as that iconic moment for that era of his career? See, there's a lot of different stuff, and I think of little moments. But for me, it was just when they defeated the Shield, just because I thought that feud was so good, and I thought that was a big moment for the Wyatt family in general and for him. Um, and, and then uh, you kind of touched on the individual moment to me was the Daniel Bryan turn and return. Yeah, yep. that was to me probably the most memorable in terms of just individual. Stand, stand alone there. Um, 
So, yeah, I mean, there's certain things that I wish we would have seen a little more through. I would have rather seen a little more with The Undertaker and him going into 31. It was just kind of a one-off. I would have loved to have seen a a little more of a feud out of that. Um, But honestly, for me, it's not anything you see on television. But my standalone moment of the Wyatt family era was being in the crowd at WrestleMania 33 in Camping World Stadium. And I shared a video on my Facebook earlier uh, just looking around. And I was so amazed by the fireflies in an entire stadium that I did a whole pan around while his entrance was happening of just the a whole 360 turnaround of the people and the fireflies. And to me, that was like an awesome moment of like, this is a guy that at that time I said, man, this dude deserves this. And man, is he getting it on the biggest stage of them all. Well, and so I was there the year before. I was in Dallas the year prior in 32 when he came out, had that moment with The Rock, and we were all doing the fireflies there. I would have to go back in my archives and see if I have that same photo because the panoramic stuff on iPhones had just come out. And I know I have a panoramic of that stadium from that night because for the longest time it was my banner photo. Yeah. But I wonder if I have a panoramic of the fireflies itself Um, because there was nothing like that. There was nothing like being in there, the lights going out. And, you know, we all, we've all experienced an undertaker entrance, but experiencing a Bray Wyatt entrance had that same feeling before I get my iconic moment. Do you have one? I mean, I, same as Crohn's, it was the Daniel Bryan turn. So, for me, I think it was a steel cage match with John Cena. And, Chrome, you're smiling a little bit, so I think you know where I'm going with this. The lights go out, they come back on, and all these kids are surrounding the ring in sheep masks, singing he's got the whole world in his hands. When I tell you... And I was, I was in one kid with the mask off, and they obviously changed the mic to change his voice. Yeah, that kid was playing it up too. He was like the whole world. But I watched that last night. I watched that moment back. When I tell you, I'm in my twenties, and I think I was in my twenties by that point. That scared the ever living crap out of me because I, I'm, I don't like lights on when I'm at home. Right, I, I I would rather just sit in the dark, watch TV. You know, it's the reason why Batman's my favorite superhero. It is pitch black in my room watching this moment. I'm pretty sure I turned the light on. I was like, nope. Fancy, <laughs> dude. Fine, I'll take that one. Be, be, but what was so great about it was, it was just Cena's reaction, how he played off of that. The, to Chrome's point, how the kid played that off. And then how Wyatt was just sitting there with that now legendary, that evil smile. And, and like he knows he got inside your head. His talons are there in your brain. And he just, he's got you. And that was just, that for me was like, we're all going to die. Well, that's like, I mean, and to add effect to it, right? After that match is over and he gets out of the ring, 
the kid is standing there and he like has that that grin and that laugh going and the kid's like kind of creepily smiling back at him and he just grabs his head and pushes his head against his like this yeah and then gives him like a pat and then walks away it was like oh my god this guy's taking kids now he's turning kids uh, the man says, I love that he was like, even when he was a hero, there would never be another Bray Wyatt. As someone who stopped watching wrestling for a while, Bray was one of the stars that brought me back, uh, back to it. One of the best characters ever made, um, all created by him. That's from KZ, was it 9994 Abel? Yep. And I got a damn lantern in my way. I can't see. You know, you want to talk about iconic moments too, real quick, Andy? Sure. The first time he was in the corner and he did the the flip backwards and then oh. started doing the revert, doing the spider walk backwards. Yeah, spider. The first time I saw that, I was like, "Dude, that is gold!" And then he turns around and he hits. In my opinion, it's one of my top five favorite finishing moves of all time. Is I Abigail. love the sister Abigail. Yeah. Yep. yep. When he hit that, coming out of that, I was like, "Dude." This guy knows exactly what he's doing. He is telling unbelievable stories in the ring. And for me, like, Bray could move. Bray was a big guy. I think at one point, 325, he's like six-something or whatever have you. Dude's built like a linebacker, right? And that's my sports reference for the day. Um, 6'3", 285, right? Dude's built like a, like a linebacker, and he's out there moving and hitting you so hard. It wasn't dainty. Nothing he did was, you know, you could never accuse Bray of pulling, quote-unquote, pulling a punch, right? So, like, the, the, the lariat, or where he would just throw himself at you. That was that, when he would just do the I don't even know what body. you call that. I mean, it was, it was a cross body, but he would do it so aggressive. Yeah, like, there was nothing soft about that. There was no like a fly and a leap, and I soar into you. He just cross body plowed right through you, full force. Yeah, and, and I'm like, spin, dude, that he you so hard. He's spinning through the air, like, dude. But and and I would I would argue if you go back and look at the history of Sister Abigail's, might have been one of the most protected moves, also. I can't recall a time where somebody kicked out of Sister Abigail. I don't. I'm sure it has, but not but often. I can't. Not all, it's one of the more protected moves when you think about mm-hmm. finishers. Yep. Roman might have kicked out of it at some point. Eh, I'm Roman sure kicked out of everything. I'm ah. sure Cena, Cena probably kicked out of it at 32. Eh. But regardless, though, one of but the. But you're right. It was very protected. It wasn't. It wasn't a move that that. If it was kicked out of it, it didn't happen often. It was usually at a big moment to create a big moment. And no one does anything like it. Right? You you could kind of say, oh, Crossroads is, is a little bit like it. But it's not because of how he starts and he's got you down. And then he just he yeets you into another time zone. There you go. Yeet. Really? What? I don't need no be a little calm down. Seriously, calm down. Um, so I, I want to transition off of um. Oh, before I do that, this is that 
the spider walk versus Taker at WrestleMania because Taker sat up and completely destroyed the spider walk. Um, so I want to transition off of. I was there for that one. This asshole is out here doing wardrobe changes. Listen, I I paid homage to the Firefly Funhouse, and now I have to pay homage to the theme. Do you want me to like shake the camera a little bit or something, Joe? I could have did it with the camera on if you wanted me to. No, I like staying on the air. Thank you very much. <laughs> loaded, loaded, loaded. But so I want to transition away from Bray, and I, and I I want to talk very briefly about Terry Funk. I, I was not Terry Funk was not my. Um, he was not very very active as I was coming up through wrestling. He was kind of on his way out the door in the industry. Um, I just when I when people say Terry Funk, I go back to Chainsaw Charlie coming out with like looking like he's gonna rob a gas station. And he's got a chainsaw with him. And him and Nick Foley are just beating the brakes off of each other. And you're wondering, why? Right? There's no setup. There was no nothing to it back then. They Those two would literally just beat the hell out of each other for the sake of beating the hell out of each other. And I was a fan of his match with uh, Sabu in the barbed wire steel, steel ring match. Yeah. I mean, that man would put himself through hell in a match. I, he, he was he was Mick Foley before Mick Foley was Mick Foley. Yep. Fair, fair assessment? Well, yeah, I mean, those two kind of walk hand in hand, right? Like, Foley said it himself, right? That's That was his mentor who then he went on to travel the world with. And, yeah, they were kind of... They were tied at the hip for a while because, yep. you know, they were they were carrying that kind of hardcore style around the world. Yeah, the true innovators of it. You know, yeah. when I think when I think of Terry Funk, I go to uh, see. I I was around when he was, and I was watching when he was like WCW and all, but I really didn't follow him much then. For me, it was ECW, right? And it was yeah. barely legal when he won the world title. He Won a triple threat match earlier in the night to get the, the main event. And I, and I always remember the story where they talk about how if they would have stayed on the air for 30 more seconds, they would have lost the feed. And, you know, they were able to kind of get that in and, and, and give Terry that amazing moment. Um, I do think that his legacy, it, 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 it's so rich when you look back at the old days and what he did with his, with his brother. And then, you know the flair feud was pretty pretty iconic to be honest it really was um but for me ecw is is what i remember most i remember that uh, the one you're talking about there butters the uh yep. i think it's born to be wired against sabu <laughs> was insane um and it's 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 an iconic match um yep. and obviously him and him and Mick Foley winning the titles at WrestleMania 14, big thing. And you know what I remember? I just remember look at look back at Hell in a Cell, get, taking a choke slam from Undertaker when he was trying to quote like you know, oh he's had enough talking about mankind. What's crazy is I forget until somebody tells me 
or like when I go back and physically watch it, I remember Taker choke slam some random dude. Yeah, but until fun. something tells me or I physically see it, um, I forget that it's funk. Yeah, it was funk. You know, because I think of what you kind of see with funk, you know, that, that really old. He looks kind of young when that happens. The years weren't kind to the man when it came to aging. <laughs> it's it's crazy though when you think right, and I I didn't even know this until I looked at stuff earlier. I might have to go back and just to see it what it was like that he returned to WCW in the early two thousands and won the Hardcore title three times. What? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a thing. Yeah. See, I stopped WCW for me died in two thousand. Screw That's when it got a little crazy. Yeah. But it, and the man says it right here, the rivalry with him and Foley versus the Outlaws. I distinctly remember the Outlaws putting those two in a dumpster, dumpster match, and pushing them off the stage. That made the Outlaws. And this is back when the stage was pretty elevated, right? And they were taking a drop. But yeah, you're right. That made the Outlaws. And then a few weeks later, they were debuting with the X. Well, if you remember, right, at that time, they were two guys who were individuals that had nothing. Yep. And they kind of were just thrown together and ended up in this feud. And I don't think they really expected to do much more with them after that. But let's be honest. When you talk about the Outlaws, that moment is where they were born. Yep. It is that moment that they pushed they they put Funk and, and Foley in the in the dumpster and dumped them off the stage. So I mean again another iconic moment of this guy and like Foley and many other guys of their ilk just constantly giving back over and over and over throughout their mm-hmm. over. And that's the thing I'll always remember about Terry Funk. That say what you want about him, he's crazy. He went on for way too long probably. But every from when he was a young man, even to when he started becoming a main event guy for his entire career, he made everybody else better. He never stopped putting people over or giving a rub to people. And that's, there's a lot to say about that. When you hear the stories about guys like Hogan and other guys who worried about their spot, Terry Funk was smart enough to know I made myself already. My spot is my spot. People are still going to come and see me, but I can make somebody else here and make us both a lot more money. Yep. And it goes to say about both men tonight, Bray and Terry, you know, both men gave back so much. Everything that we as fans or the industry, everything that was given to them, they turned around and gave it all back. And then some. Yep. You know, Terry Funk, they had the wrestling school. Him and his brother for the longest Thank time. you, baby. Yep. They had the wrestling school, and they were training the next generation of stars, and they were keeping a certain style of wrestling alive. And, you know, he... I, yeah, the guy was nuts. The guy was a lunatic. <laughs> but you would listen to him talk. Especially at his Hall of Fame speech. The passion, the love, and the intelligence for the business. Nope. 
like he says it, he goes, all I ever wanted to do was be a professional wrestler. I don't want to be a cop. I don't want to be an astronaut. I don't want to do any of that. I wanted to be a pro wrestler. And that is a man that set out, accomplished his dream, and then easily went, will, will go down as one of the pillars of a style of professional wrestling. In hardcore wrestling. ECW never makes it without Terry Funk. Nope. It doesn't, it doesn't reach the level that it does. And that's not a hot take by anybody. You've heard I think Paul even said that. Yep. Paul Heyman says it. Tommy Dreamer. Bubba Ray. Every wrestler who's ever come through there will tell you the man who put it on the map and gave it legitimacy was Terry Funk. And when you, like, you could go back and if you really, I don't know if you guys ever watched it. If you haven't, you should. It's one of the first times that really the camera was pulled back. And that was beyond the mat. Terry Funk is very heavily involved in Beyond the Mat. They, they kind of follow him, and his, at that time, it was supposed to be his retirement tour, which ended up not being much of a retirement tour. <laughs> but, but I'm telling you, it's a great documentary that you can watch, and you really get some insight in on it. So, uh, the wrestling world is better now because of guys like Terry Funk guys like Bray Wyatt and as a wrestling fan for God I've been watching wrestling since 1999 Chrome you've been watching wrestling longer Butters you might 89 I wasn't even born yet (laughs) God you're old but Butters I mean you took some time off but when did you start oh lord um I'd say at least 2000. Okay, so you and I right around the same time. I am maybe maybe a few years before that, but you know, I am so grateful that uh, I was blessed to be able to watch guys like Bray Wyatt, guys like Terry Funk take an industry to a new height. Mm-hmm. Watch them do what they are incredibly talented at. Watch them take something that I love and ensure that it will continue for even just a little bit longer because of their contribution. Because there's somebody sitting at home. There was somebody sitting at home in 2012, 2013, 14, and so on and so forth that saw Bray Wyatt and went, I want to do that. Saw, you know, in, in the 80s and 90s, saw Terry Funk. Fuck Nick Foley. I want to do that. And it's heartwarming to some extent. You know, it's bitter. It's bittersweet because they're gone and we won't get those contributions anymore. Yep. But when you think back of the, the life and career and ultimately the legacy that they leave behind, it, it can't ever be touched. Yeah. And I mean, for me, brave, Braven more so than, than Terry Funk because Terry Funk had a full career. He he got to go, in, go through all the different iterations of the wrestling business and have a full career, and he had a lot of time to give back. I think Bray was just scratching the surface. Like you got to think, dude was only thirty six years old. He was yep. in the company for 
almost 13 years, maybe 14 years. Yep. And and still enter. He was still in the prime of his career. And it's it's sad, man. You know, it's yep. You know, it. He was supposed to be on his way back, right? We we heard this illness thing, and you know, I'll say this again: fuck Dave Meltzer because he's an idiot. He's one of those guys that reported there was creative issues why he wasn't around and here no it was a health issue correct so um and it seemed like he was uh, he was getting close to being cleared and that kind of ultimately when you find out figure out the details of what had happened it sounds like that was a true thing and imagine if he would have been able to come back in the next couple of months well, god knows what we would have seen uh i hate to say that we're never going to get that chance now but you yeah. know you know what I can only that's hope. the one I that's the one I feel the worst about because he yeah has, he's got two young kids like very young kids yep well and, 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 and prime of his life and why it why it's my generation you know Terry Terry really made his name before like I was even born you know Crow I think maybe even before you were watching wrestling you know Funk made his name and. Oh, he's his his name was made in the seventies, man. He's yeah, that, that's so my long. point. You know, Maybe so in the sixties. I'd have to look. So for me, why it why it's my generation? Why why it's a you know that that generational talent? And I, I I can only hope that WWE. I don't want to say does some kind of documentary necessarily but I, I i would love it because i love wwe documentaries i'm a junkie for those things i would love to see them come out and say we're gonna do a, a, a documentary on bray wyatt talk about him and then we're gonna pull back the curtain for in the last part this is all the last part of that documentary we're gonna pull back the curtain and we're gonna tell you guys what it all should have been what the Wyatt Six should have been, what the plan for the return was, what they had in store for Bray. Mm -hmm. Because, yeah. you, you know, and, and I, would you say? Yeah, I don't, I don't know that you're going to, you, I think you could get that, but it's going to be years down the road. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. I don't, I'm not saying like within the next year, year and a half, right? It will, it will be time down the road. But, you know, to go back to Frank's comment from earlier, the what ifs, right? What if he had come back? What if he didn't go away with the illness? What if, what if, what if? He does go down as one of the biggest mysteries, I guess you could say, of what they were planning to do with him. Mm -hmm. You know, because you think back to when Eddie was, you know, when Eddie passed. We knew Eddie was going for the title. We knew what Eddie, Eddie was doing. There was no real secrets to Eddie and the booking of him at that time. You know, but with Bray, there was, and that's what was so fun about it. You didn't know what the hell they were going to do. Yeah. It, it, it is crazy, though, when you think, like, how cryptic is this stuff, right? We think about, like, the warrior the night before he passes away being on Raw. That, that speech is still my screensaver at my office at the dealership. I found a, video, a picture. It's got him in the ring, and next to it is the, you know, every man's heart will beat its final beat. Yeah. All that's my screensaver, I mean, my wallpaper at work. And it has been since the day it happened. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it's and it's cryptic, right? You go back, if you watch that now, and you know what's going to happen. And it's like one of the, it's when you see Bray's return promo, right, of this last run. Uh, and there's, you know, it's there's the element of truth in that, and obviously a, a little bit of a twist with the character, but it's almost his thank you to the fans. Yep. And if you go back and you've seen, you know, actually in a lot of the packages they've done, they pulled audio from that to include in some of these video packages they've had. And it's very, it's like eerily cryptic. Which, by the way, and I want to touch on it, tonight's episode of SmackDown, what, it started off wonderfully, right? I, I can't do a lot of Ken Bell salutes. It does make me cry. I won't lie. I, it, it, it's I very, came close. Well, it's very tough to hear a, a 10 bell. And and reason being, well, I'll pull back turn a little bit more for that. They do that for firefighters, too. And my dad was a volunteer firefighter. And so, like, it takes me back to, like, all that emotion, too. Sure. Um, but that video package they ran might be... Probably, yeah. Might be one of the best video packages since the Rock Austin package for 17. It was good. It was really, really good. It got me. It was pretty, you know, I mean, you, can go back, yeah. listen, you can go back to the Daniel Bryan videos, the, the Edge ones for retirement stuff. Those were pretty well done, too. This was one of the this was one of the best when they hit the moments with the family. Yeah. When they away from the wrestling picture went to the family. That's where I got a little bit like. I, I was like, oh. Uh... Misty-eyed. Mm-hmm. I, I'll say this. I don't want to be critical of the show. I thought the show overall was really, really good. I liked what they did. I liked that they ran video packages for both Bray and for Terry Funk. I like how they did it for Terry Funk to have Cody, that was the ideal guy, to go out and talk about him. I could have did without storyline enhancements in this. I was hoping that would have gotten scrubbed. I would have I would have rather they had taken people who were so like I was down for the main event. I liked the main event. And it, I know there was a little bit of a story enhancement, but it was tastefully done with the way that LA Knight cut the promo, right? And thank God they didn't have like Miz come out and cost them the match or anything. Or the judgment day drama takeover. Right. That would have been super, super annoying. But I did like I, I, I could have did without storyline enhancement. I would have rather they did it. Guys who were close to Bray and just having matches like they did with the Eddie Guerrero tribute in 2005. Well, and, it wasn't storyline. It was just Shawn, Shawn Michaels and Rey Mysterio. Just because. Because yep. those two guys were close to Eddie in one way or another. And you knew they were going to put out a banger match in his honor. And I, I don't like the storyline enhancement either. I, I really wish that would have gotten scrubbed. I know we had advertised they had, I said we they had advertised a lot. You very easily could have walked away from that, and everybody would have understood. But I, but to a certain degree, I get it, right? I, very certain degree, I, I understand doing the EO Zelina match. I understand doing the Ray. <laughs> And it wasn't overkill. Like No, it wasn't at all. They didn't do backstage segments and stuff. Like if they would have did that, I would have been very unhappy. Yes. Um 
I wish, though, and I liked how Cody did it. I, I like how Cody came out and he had the conversation about funk. And I like that he managed to work Bray in that conversation. Because if you remember, who was Cody's NXT rookie? Husky. It was Bray Wyatt as Husky Harris. So Cody was... Cody could have talked about both. And I like that he managed to still be able I for, to... I forgot about that, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> he, he managed to still be able to say that Bray was a cowboy. You know? And yep. Just awesome. And I, and, I, and I think the the brawling brutes of the street province, to their credit, they... You know, keeping it within, obviously, kind of the WWE model. If this was AEW, we'd have blood spilled everywhere. But well, that was about Funk. That wasn't even about Bray, and I was fine with that. I yeah, but I, I, and I was saying, I liked, I think they did that match justice. You know, um, keeping with the WWE model. Obviously, if it was AEW, there would be blood everywhere, and Moxley would have a piece of pasta coming out of his head again. Yeah. <laughs> I could have did without Austin Theory coming out on the show. Well, you just don't like Austin Theory. But I, they didn't need it. No, like, if, if you're going to follow through and have Ray and and, and uh, Grayson Waller, fine. Just what, I am, what I'm really glad that they, they did, they advertised it and they didn't do it. I'm glad they didn't bring Jimmy out to do the Jimmy setup for Roman and all. They, they go completely scrapped that I'm on the night. I'm I, I like when I tell you everything you could have done the exact same thing you did tonight if you add in that Jimmy factor for me nope completely destroyed it I mean I may have missed it but they really and truly they could have had Roman come out and just you know acknowledge him well so my understanding is Roman was there and presented his family privately the blue title Oh, really? That's what's been put out there. So I think the belief was that Roman was going to appear on the show and do it. But from what I've seen reported, the belief is that Roman did it privately. Which, I, I like both sides, right? You know, the, the, the private thing does really hit home a lot. And, and the blue title, it was it was Bray's title, if you think about it and all that. Yeah, that Bray was, introduced it. Bray introduced that was his title. But I would have liked, and I don't, I don't say this very often. I would have liked Butter's idea because it harks back to Austin, you know, saluting Owen, right? You know, uh, Batista and John saluting Eddie, and like the top guy had always saluted, you know, the person that passed away. Yep. And, and so I would have. Obviously, I think how they ended the show with the the lantern in the ring, and I even like the picture threw me off for a second. I because he was here at the time. We were watching on the iPad. I thought somebody was in the ring. Yeah. So I at thought, that point, I thought it was Braun for half a second. But I think that that was the intent. Was they did that picture on that angle for a was, reason, and then kind of faded out to show it was the screen. It was, it was absolutely perfect. But yeah. I would have, I would have liked at some point for you know maybe at the top of the second hour, for Roman to have come out and, and 
But again, I'm, I'm cool either way, right? If, mm -hmm. if you wanted to include, if we're, let me put it this way. If Roman wanted to go out and do that, if I would have been very, very okay with it. I, I don't think anybody would have booed the moment. I don't think anybody would have nothing. Uh, I think it would have been, been very, very well done. Yeah. Um, so we've got about 15 minutes or so left. I don't want to go longer than an hour and a half. Um, obviously, like I said, we plan to do a little bit of a longer AEW all-in preview show, but I, I, still but... Want to go over, I still want to go over the card, and we can just give real quick predictions. So, we don't have to go into it. I just want to add one last thing. I'm sure. just looking this up. So it does look like Roman did give it to them privately, and I don't know how true this is. Okay. Who's reporting it? But he may not be carrying that blue title around. That may be considered the retirement of the blue title now. I'm okay with that. Yeah. yeah. Good I, would that. Be, I would be completely fine with that as well. Yeah, I, I, see, no, I see no issue there. That's all. Just wanted to give you that little update. So we'll uh, see if he carries it again, but it looks like the rumor is that that is considered the retirement of that blue title when it got handed to Ray's family. Good. So what I'm going to do is I'm, I'm on Wikipedia here. I've got the match card. I'm just going to start top to bottom. We're going to go down. We don't need to spend a lot of time on any of these matches. We'll just rattle them off, and then we'll go from there. So for the ROH World Tag Team Championships, Aussie Open defending their titles against MJF and Adam Cole. Which, by the way, if you haven't caught MJF and Adam Cole on uh, so good. on Hot Ones, uh, Dabber, oh, is that good? Truth and oh my god, I have to watch it tonight. It's fifteen I, minutes I of hysteria. I have to watch it. Perfect. Like I, I'm, I'm going to tell you, one of them. It doesn't do it any justice unless you watch it. The question is asked. Is there anybody in the AEW locker room that you don't like? And this is the question to MJF. And he immediately just grabs a chicken when he says, nope, and bites into it. <laughs> and the question to Adam Cole is, what's the biggest payday you've ever gotten, and what are you expecting to make it all in? And they bring up Tony Khan. Like, there's a couple cool – like, and there, there are questions where you're like, ooh, answer that. And they, you know – it's just, it's awesome. I'll have to check it out. Uh, so, do we think that Better Than You, Baby, are winning the ROH tag team titles or not? No. I would love to see it, but I don't believe they're going to win the, the tag titles. If they do, it makes the, the main event a lot more compelling. It does. But I don't. I don't see with my prediction for the for the main event that making sense. Fair enough. Uh, Jack Perry versus Hook for the FTW Championship. I hope Hook. If I never see Jack Perry again, I'll be I'll be happy. <laughs> he was fine as Jungle Boy. This is awful. This is terrible. They had such a good opportunity with him, and they squandered it. So why don't they say, right, 
because this is what they they just did a program with him and Christian, right? Correct. And now he's basically trying to be like a ripoff, like reject version of Christian in terms of how he cuts his promos. So like, first of all, it's so phony. I can't buy it. Secondly, like it's like you're forced. It's like you're like someone who doesn't curse, like being forced to curse to sound like a tough guy. It just sounds really stupid. Secondly, you know what they could have did if they really wanted to just turn him heel? Short and simple. You know what? Christian was right. I was wrong. I should have listened to him to begin with. You guys are idiots. And I was pandering to you like a moron. And then just do it like that. And then that way, if he's trying to beat baby Christian, at least it makes sense because he's like acknowledging that he should he was wrong when Christian was trying to teach him. Correct. Now it just looks really stupid. It's terrible. He looks like a moron. I'm good. <laughs> Please uh, Say again? Please hook win this. Nah, Perry's winning it. You, you think he's going to retain? Yep, he's going to retain it and retire it. I'm kind of okay if the title gets retired, but this is one of those ones where... They had such a good thing going with Hook, and then they kind of put him on the back burner, and the Jack Perry thing just isn't working for me. So it's like, all right, cool. This is on the pre-show. Great. I'll see you all at the main card. Well, that's, <laughs> that's what AEW does. Um, they went all in. FTR versus the Young Bucks. Uh, FTR. Oh, no. The Bucks are going to win this match. We don't know what's going to happen with legally with uh, yeah with was it cash, cash. So um, to me, I, I think they're kind of backed into a corner. It's going to have to be the, the well. And take the legality out of it for a minute, right? I, I think it's time for the Bucks to have the titles again. Oh, I don't. Nah, I'm not, I look. I'm not a Bucks fan. I like them with their faces. I think they're obnoxious heels and, and like, but they're not the good kind of obnoxious heels. They're the ones that's like, oh, I'm changing the channel, right? But I, I think it's okay to put the titles on them and let's kind of get the tag division a little bit more figured out and who's sticking around, obviously legality wise, and who's you know who's doing this, who's doing that, where the hell's Keith Lee, you know, so on and so forth, and then you can because they're they're good enough. To be able to hold the titles, keep the titles relevant while everybody else is figuring their stuff out. Not that the FTR isn't, but now that's where the legality plays into it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I've become a Bucks fan. I just, I don't, I don't need to see them with the tag team titles right now. Honestly, I don't need to see FTR with the tag team titles. I'd rather see them switch it up. You know, one team I think that deserves another run with the titles. I think is the Lucha Bros. I hate, I hate that up until recently they've been just featured on Ring of Honor. Because to me, Ring of Honor stinks. I love the Lucha Bros so much. I mean, I, I, I love Penta. I've been a Penta guy for years. I would like to see this, and I think this is how we get back there, right? I don't see FTR going against the Lucha Bros. I see, F- I see the Young Bucks and the Lucha Bros like 15 at this point, which I'm all here for because the last one, other than the thumbtack on the on the sneaker or whatever, other oh. than that, um, I loved everything about that match. 
So I'm all I'm here for that. And I think you you get there by the Bucks and because we all know what, uh, who's, who's not on the card anymore. Well, the steel cage at uh, the steel cage was it all out last year or yeah or the year before? No, it was last year. That was one of the best matches I've ever seen AEW have. That was great. I loved it. But uh, Penta, oh god, what's the other guy's name? I'm blanking right now. Help me here. Ray Phoenix. Ray Phoenix. We know he's really not injured. No, he's right? got beat the issues. Exactly. I don't know why we do an injury angle when it was very well publicized that he's got visa issues. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, but you couldn't sell, like, and I, and I get on TikTok and a lot of... Yeah, but listen, WWE had Jay quit WWE because of his DUI history he can't get into Canada. So this is just what wrestling does. That's why, that's the only reason they did that angle with... with I swear James. to God. When he quit, I didn't realize they were in Canada the next few weeks. Yeah. So it did. I was like, oh, he's just taking time off because he wants to take time off. And it makes sense. It's a nice way to write him out, blah, blah, blah. And then they're like, all right, we're in Winnipeg next week. Bastards. Yeah, he can't go to Canada. I was like, you assholes. But, but at least that's a little bit more understandable, right? It's not by much. It's not by much. There's no one. There's no one. To me, right. I think what threw me for sight, what, what pissed me off so much was so that happens Wednesday, Thursday. I get on TikTok and I'm scrolling through TikTok, and there are these guys that'll sit on like, like Twitch or whatever, and they'll watch AEW and WWE and all that. And they'll talk about it. They'll react to it, yeah. and some of the reactions are pretty cool. But you would think these guys thought. That somebody just hit him with a truck and he's legitimately injured. Oh my God, they can't do this. And oh my God, is he going to be okay? I'm a, like, dude, I know you're smarter than this. I've watched your stuff before. Don't tell me you're really buying this. Bye bye bye. So, so, so. Jesus. All right, moving on. Like, like I said, I don't want to spend too much time on any of this. Sheeta defends her AEW Women's World Championship against Tony Storm, Soraya, and Dr. Britt Baker. I hate how we got here. We're not going to touch on it because it pisses me off. Who's winning? Britt Baker. Sheeta retains, and I love it. I'm so happy she's the women's champion right now. I, I, I agree. I think Sheeta retains. I don't want Soraya anywhere near the title. Tony Storm's run sucked. And well, technically, I mean, they could have Soraya win it because, you know, hometown, all that good bullshit. I'll repeat myself. I don't want Soraya to smell it. Tony Storm's entire run sucked. And Britt Baker, we've done it already. Let Sheeta hold on to it and let it keep going. Let it be somebody different, get it? Listen, Sheeta did a good job during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. She deserves a legit run now. And she's a different name. It's not the same old names. Like, she deserves a run with crowds now. Like, she's a great women's wrestler. She really is. I 100% In a shitty division. <laughs> also agree to that. Um, da -da -da -da. Darby Allen and Sting versus Swerve Strickland and Christian Cage in a coffin match. 
Swerving Cage. Darby and Sting. Sting don't lose, so. My point. It's also his farewell tour. You're the first for everything. Yeah. Shut up. Farewell on his back. Moving on. <laughs> the Golden Elite versus uh, Bullet Club Gold and, and the, what, how, you say, how do you say the other guy's name? Who? Sheeta. Oh, I, uh, I forget. I always butcher this every time. Oh, Takashita? Takashita, thank you. There you go. Once I hear it, I'm good, but I can never say it. <laughs> Takashita, Bill, Noah. <laughs> um, Golden Elite or Bullet Club and Takashita? Uh, Golden Elite. What? I love to see the Bullet Club win this. I think it'd be nice for the Bullet Club to win it, too. Um, just because, like, every time I think about, like, the Golden Elite and all that, one, I, I, I'm not a Hangman Adam Page fan. I don't care. <laughs> I, I'm not, I think he's boring. So, so, thank you. And I hate when you and I agree. This sucks. I've agreed with you tonight, and I've agreed with you tonight. Yeah! I can't stand And you're driving me up a wall. But... I just I don't need to see the Golden Elite win when the Bullet Club Gold is kind of like you brought him back, you brought Jay White in, he had the great match, a couple great matches, and now we're just kind of existing in the middle here. Mm-hmm. He needs a, a, another win on a big stage, and this this is a big ass stage. Well, this is what this is what they do though. This is AEW's thing, man. Bring them in, give them a good month and two month run, and then they're forgotten about. See, 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 see. You will get me started on, on, a, on a rant that will take us to the two hour mark without a thought in the world. And I won't shut up. So we're not going down that route because everybody, if you've been here before, you know how much I love Tony Khan. Um, Stadium Stampede, Eddie Kingston, Orange Cassidy, Best Friends, and Penta El Cielo Miedo versus Blackpool Combat Club. Santana and Ortiz, which, by the way, I'm, all, I'm so glad that Santana's back. Yeah, me too. Club. Yeah, my my most annoying uh, faction in pro wrestling, the BCC, they will win this match. Yeah. And, and, and if once, once it's done... Let's move away from Moxley and Claudio versus Eddie Kingston. Let's just, just go away from it. Because we, we do we do it all the time. Gotta milk it. But we always set up this multi-man, pure chaos, borderline indie show bullshit. Rather than just put Claudio and Eddie in a ring, let them legitimately beat the crap out of each other, and we move on. Everybody gets paid. Everybody goes home happy. Well, you're not going to get that. You're I know not- we're not, but, but so because you're not going to give me that, move on. Yeah. I, I'm. Listen, I, I could not be over anything more than I'm over the John Moxley show at this point. I think it's 
it is as carbon copy and predictable as you could possibly get. It's the same feud over and over. Same exact thing. It's attack from behind. Tell everybody how tough you are. Bleed. Bleed again. Bleed a little bit more. Throw a few tacks down. Repeat the next show. Same thing. Let's attack from behind again. Tell everybody how tough we are. Let's blade in the next two, the first two minutes of a match again. It's the same thing over and over. I can't stand it. What's the over-under? How long until Moxley is busted open? Five minutes. Under. You go five minutes, I'll go under. Yeah, I'm taking the under on that. I would take the under on three and a half minutes. I would take the under under a minute if we're going to be honest with each other. Somebody's like Eddie's going to hit him one time and it just. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Will Austin. We're going to get that. We're we're not going to see the end of that yet, though. No. But you know what? Maybe then we get a focus on that where it's not within teams. Let's get the match between Claudio and Eddie. Let's let Mox decide who he's going to side with and let's be done with it after. Correct. Will Ospreay with the most. Punchable face in professional wrestling, John Callis in his corner versus Chris Jericho. Hmm. Osprey? Yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm going Osprey. I'm going to be just, just to be different. I'm going to go with Jericho. I could see Jericho winning this. Fair enough. For the real world championship, I can't believe we're actually saying it. it sounds like something should be on MTV. <laughs> CM Punk versus Samoa Joe. Punk. So this is going to be punk, but this has been, I'm, I'm going to say this. This is the most embarrassing storyline they've been telling because how stupid does MJF look that he just like lets somebody walk around and claim to be the world, real world champion doesn't confront like they, it's not even that they're on two different shows. He was on an episode of collision where punk was on there talking about how he's the real champion. He never lost his title. How stupid does it make MJF look that he just like, yeah. Doesn't say anything. Absolutely agree. Makes your champ look like a moron. I hate this. They should if they were gonna do this, they should have had Punk have to go against MJF right away, call it a day, and move on. It's fucking stupid. I said it from the get-go when he had the damn bag. House of Black versus Billy Gunn and the Acclaim for the AEW World Trio Championship. And Billy Gunn Said on Wednesday he is bringing badass Billy Gunn to London. Gunn and the acclaimed. Yeah, I'm going with the gun with Billy Gunn and the acclaimed here too. Yeah, I I, I I like House of Black. I don't know if the the House of Black rules concept really took off like they were hoping it would. Didn't uh, hit me well. Huh? It didn't hit me well. No, I it just it, it kind of felt lackluster, especially when like the acclaim were like, we're not going to utilize it. All right, well, you're an idiot then. Um, so I, I want to see the acclaim and, and Billy Gunn win the trios championship. I think that'd be cool, especially if Billy Gunn's on his way out. Mm-hmm. All right, boys, let's get into it. MJF, Adam Cole, AEW World Championship. Chrome, I'm starting with you. Yeah, this has been an amazing story, first and foremost. Yes. This is the best story that AEW maybe has told in their history so far. Um, the promos are amazing. The, the friendship. So, I have Adam Cole winning this title. I have a turn on MJF. 
and MJF ends up being the face. Cole turns heel here. Adam Cole's your new champion. MJF starts the chase again. I like that. And I saw a, a promo where MJF goes, yeah, I'm a scumbag, but I'm ready to be your scumbag. And I was like, I was like, you're my scumbag. And that's what he does. He says all the time, he's like, Dom, you're scumbag. And the thing is, too, right, this is why I don't think they win the tag titles. Um, I feel like it would make the if, – if what I believe is going to happen happens, I feel like you're making it even more complicated than it needs to be. And I don't feel like they need to be like tag champs who turn on each other the same day they win the title. Yeah. I think it kind of makes yeah. a joke out of the title. Although it's, it is the Ring of Honor title, so maybe it's not a joke anyway. <laughs> no, I have I have uh, Adam Cole turning heel here, taking the title from MJF. Adam Cole all the way. Yeah, I, I like it. I don't hate it. I mean, then again, at the same time, right? If MJF still wins, right? I, I can't say I, I hate it. You know, mm-hmm. because it means he won by some chicken shit heel tactic, and he back to being the scumbag that we all have come to know and love. Yeah. So, like, which is great, which before Adam, you know, they started this up, MJF was doing good stuff. So, there really is, this is is the the kind of main events that I love. There is no wrong answer here. It's fair. I get to sit there on Sunday. By the time this airs, it'll be like five, because they start at like noon for us, one for you. Be like five in the afternoon. I'll be able to sit there and enjoy a good professional wrestling match. Yeah. So, uh, before we get out of here, Chrome, you have any final thoughts? No, man. You know, tough week for us here, pro wrestling fans. But uh, obviously, our condolences out to the Funk and uh, Rotunda families. Um, Really, really tough week as a pro wrestling fan. Um, But appreciative for the contributions. And for the entertainment, and I will thank those guys forever for, for doing that. Um, and their legacy will live on. They will continue to live on. So that's all I got. Rest in peace to those guys, and thank you for your uh, pretty years of entertainment. Butters? Just, you know, rest in peace to Bray Wyatt, condolences to his family, and the same goes for Terry Funk and his family. Yeah, and, and I, I will also echo those sentiments and, and... – you know, I say it every time when we're on the air and, you know, as we close out a show. I said it Wednesday night when we closed out the show. You know, tell somebody you love them um, because you never do truly know when that day, you know, it's going to be their last day. And appreciate what we have when you have it. Don't wait till it's gone. You know, we we can always sit here and say we take things for granted and, and we, you know, we don't appreciate what we have. I would like to think that while, especially Bray, while Bray was here, we got to appreciate, and I hope that, like, he understood that, understand that he was appreciated for all the work that he did for an industry that we all have come to love, and, you know, we spend an hour and a half on a Friday night talking about it. Um, so, with that, guys, we're, we're going to close out the show. I'm going to thank Alan D. Travel, Specialized Physical Therapy. We're, we're, we're not going to do, I'm not going to do the read or anything like that. I'm just going to literally leave it with check out everything on HUD each and every single day. Shows every day for everybody. A lot coming down the pipeline. Um, 
but I, I, I leave you guys with a moment of silence for Terry Funk and Bray Wyatt to take us off the air. Thank you guys for joining us this evening. <laughs>